Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. Well, Chris, we've finally done it. Uh, the <laughs> S&P, we officially entered a bear market. We've reached a 20% decline. Um, and, you know, looking around, it seems like from a market sentiment standpoint, um, you know, it seems like we are starting to exit the denial phase and entering the acceptance phase, acceptance phase. And, and those that deny that the Fed and other, other central banks, that they wouldn't tighten, and those that have said that we experienced a soft landing, um, maybe no recession, it seems as though they're beginning to accept those unfortunate facts. So, yeah. um, you know, first question for you this afternoon, you know, how, how does the shift in investor sentiment affect market behavior? Yeah, you know, I think the market's well ahead of, you know, the, the, the media and the commentaries as it usually is. So the market is priced in a material slowdown slash, you know, modest, short-lived recession. Um, what it hasn't really priced in is a Fed that's not going to pivot. And that's going to be the key question going forward is not are we going to have a recession or is it technically going to be a recession? We're going to have a very sharp slowdown. Europe's in recession. Every indication is that our growth is going to be so anemic that it would be easy for us to tip over into recession. And market is going to take the direction from Fed's reaction to that weak data. Um, and I think what investors really need to focus on is their number one job at the Fed is to make sure that they can fund the U.S. Treasury and that it appears to be solvent, and you can't do that at a 3% interest rate. Uh, 75% or so of the outstanding treasuries are in the short end of the curve. They're financed at 2% or less, and we can barely afford that given the level of deficits and where deficits are headed. And so the Fed has to find some way in order to get either inflation expectations or the market weak enough to get people back into treasuries and to drive yields lower so that our sovereign can remain solvent. So I don't think they're going to pivot that fast. And I think that could be the next negative reaction out of the market is when the weakness shows up, it becomes apparent that we have a recession, yet the Fed is still kind of hell-bent on tightening financial conditions. Uh, circle back to the Fed here in a, in a few minutes, but before we get there, I um, want to talk about oil and energy again. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, we've finally seen it take a little bit of a step back this mm -hmm. week. Um, but, you know, as Russian oil, that continues to flow. Um, the market's priced in, as you described, a, a bit of a mild recession. Mm -hmm. uh, that would most likely loosen up some supply-demand uh, dynamics. Mm -hmm. uh, and there might be some policy choices that, that we could see be announced soon. Um, but the question here is, you know, should we experience a bit of a deeper recession? Would you anticipate oil prices to correct meaningfully? Yes. And there's two pieces to this. It's not just the demand element relative to the supply. Demand for oil is incredibly sticky. It, it, it really is hard to impact demand. And again, if we're going to do it via price, we need to be $130 or higher for a full year to really impact demand. I think the weakness you're seeing in commodities, and it, it's finally reaching oil. It reaches the, the strongest asset class last, but we've seen weak industrial metals, really weak copper, really weak soft commodities. And last week, natural gas was down 20%. It's probably down another 8 or 10% this week. Oil's rolled over as well. Um, that That is tightening liquidity conditions. If you want to trade commodities and you want to maintain a commodity market, it is very capital intensive. And what I mean by that is you need a lot of liquidity. These are very levered positions. And 
the, I think the market is paying too much attention to what the Fed is doing with interest rates and ignoring the most powerful tool they have, which is the monetary base. And so when we were after the stimulus and from COVID and we were growing the money supply at, you know, an annualized rate of 30 percent or so, um, the Fed, while they've been slow to raise rates, has been very quick to withdraw liquidity out of the real economy. And I, you know, my best guess is, and what what I've seen is that the money supply is probably contracting right now at 10% annualized rate. And that is infinitely more important than whether the Fed raised 75 or 100 or didn't raise rates. The market's already raised rates. That's already happened. The Fed's just following them. And what's interesting is now that that liquidity is really starting to tighten up and it's impacting oil and it's going to, you know, create disinflationary conditions relative to what we've recently seen. Um, again, we, let's see if the Fed pivots. They may not pivot. They may really intend to break things so that they can get Treasury rates low enough for the federal government to be solvent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just a little more on, on this recession topic. Um, well, you know, we, we know everyone, you know, we, the most part probably understands the definition of what a recession yeah. is. Um, and if we reach recessionary levels, but at the same time, right, we've, we've been adding do- jobs. Yeah. Um, we've coupled that with really low employment. Right. Um, so, you know, technically, you know, if let's just say we hit that recession, you know, does that environment of, again, you know, continuously adding jobs and low employment, does that type of an environment mitigate concerns? Well, I mean, jobs are always going to be the lagging indicator. So they're the last thing to improve and then the last thing to deteriorate. So you don't, those are your primary cost in business and it's hard to find people. So you cut those, those costs last. Um, but we're entering a very different period. And I look, investors are just going to be surprised at what the world looks like over the next five and 10 years. And so much of it is driven by demographics, as has been the expansion since the 80s. It's been driven by demographics. Um, we're going to be short workers for the foreseeable future. And that's, that is just the demographics that we all know with the boomers retiring and the other generations really not at a scale to fill the gap. So, you know, and, and you also got to ask, what are we recessing? You know, we don't have too many homes. We have one month's supply of homes, which is ridiculous. Prior to COVID, we never got below three months. Um, so we don't have too many homes. We're not producing and selling too many cars. Um, we are recessing the excessive use of monetary policy. We are recessing liquidity. That impacts every price. It doesn't necessarily have to impact employment. It will on the margin, um, but it, it, it will impact it in a way that that excess money supply kept non-economic activities going because it was easy to raise capital. You didn't have to make money. Well, a lot of those jobs are going to go away and they're going to go work for places that actually generate a profit, a novel concept. So, yeah, I mean, you, you need to look at it within the context of the environment we're in. It's not going to look like prior recessions. And recession is more than just two quarters of negative GDP. It's two quarters of negative GDP with the tiering and employment, and it becomes reflexive to the downside. So I, I suspect it's going to be incredibly different, for sure. 
Um, one last one for you today on, on the Fed. Um, talked to a couple different uh, angles, but one is that the Fed has moved you know fairly quickly, you know far quicker than I think even if you rewind the tape um, you know a month or so ago than people had expected. Um, in your opinion, do you think that they perhaps have moved too quick? And if that's the case, do you think that there's a potential rate cut in the future? Well, the answer to both of those is maybe surprising. So I don't think they they will always lag. They always do lag. That's just what they do. They, they don't lead anything. That's not their job. It's not their role. Um, the the Eurodollar futures market is screaming at the Fed right now that not only will you not get an opportunity to raise rates as much as you think, but you're going to be needing to cut rates sooner than you think. And I think, you know, Jeff Snyder does a lot of great work in this area, and he noticed that the the futures market, the euro-dollar futures market, was starting to price in some serious issues in October of 20 when, or that it gained a lot of confidence that there were going to be issues, began to price them in in earnest of February of this year. And the week of the Fed basically said, we've got serious collateral issues. And that's a very deep liquid market. And it, it's a thermometer as to the health of the amount of liquidity. And by liquidity, we mean cash and collateral. So it's the ability to, to trade, transact, maintain asset values, maintain economic activity. And it is screaming at the Fed that things are incredibly tight. Now, that doesn't mean that the Fed should ease up liquidity. They're trying to fight inflation, and it was driven by too much excess liquidity in the real economy. And so this is what we're recessing. And the market is screaming at the Fed that you got real problems, and they're going to hit you sooner than you think. Um, so I'm, not, I'm just not focused on the number of rate hikes the Fed's going to do, because it's not, it's not the issue at hand. The issue is the excess liquidity the rate at which liquidity is declining. The market everywhere has already raised interest rates materially. It's, you know, high yield spreads are close to 500 basis points now. We're going to have credit issues. And what we've done is we've gone from the central banks being the primary buyer to they, they're stepping away. And when they step away, we got more price discovery. Yields blew out, credit spreads blew out, volatility spiked. We destroyed some assets. We destroyed value. We destroyed some business models. Now we have to start dealing with that wreckage. And for the last 10 years, we're used to, when we start to see these stresses, a pivot by the Fed and more liquidity. Well, that's going to be like throwing gasoline on a fire. They're not going to do that. They have to get interest rates back below 2%. And if they don't, they have to implement yield curve control and start printing money again. And they don't want to do the latter, and investors aren't ready for the pain it takes to do the former. So we've just got to wait and see. It's going to be a really interesting two or three months here. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be along over the ride for you, <laughs> and that sounds perfect. Good. Well, good. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we'll wrap it up there for today, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information 
opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.